Welcome to the Ready Eddy Podcast, where we tell the story of startups in the outdoor sport industry through the voice of their founders. Hey guys, before we get into today's episode, I wanted to talk about our membership program. Uh, we recently broke a pretty big milestone. We have over 100 startups and small businesses on the platform offering up to 50% off all their product and gear. If you're like me and you're always looking for a new uh, backpack or new gear for your addictions, whether it's skiing, snowboarding, camping, surfing, whatever it is related to the outdoors, you can hop onto this membership and peruse all of the brands. We're constantly adding new ones um, to really support all of your outdoor activities. We also have a number of travel companies. So if you're looking to take a trip, whether it's to Machu Picchu, South America, wherever, um, you can save on that as well. We also have a number of food brands, whether you need a new energy bar or you just need to, f- you want to find something uh, that's different and check it out. You can f- save while doing it. Um, you can also apply to become an ambassador for a lot of these brands. There's a ton of perks. So if you are interested in checking this out, head over to readyeddy.com slash members and get your first month free. What is going on, Red Yeti Podcast listeners? Josh Salvo here, your host. On today's episode, I'm sitting down with one of the co-founders of Schwood Eyewear, Eric Singer. Eric, thanks so much for taking the time to chat with me. You got it. Yeah, so I've been uh, a fan of Schwood for a number of years now, but for the listener that may not be uh, aware of Schwood, how would you best describe your business? Well, we are an experimental eyewear brand. Uh, Since our inception in 2009, we have brought 17 different natural materials to the eyewear marketplace that never existed in eyewear before. So we're pretty prideful of, of constantly sort of being like mad scientists in our, in our shop here in Portland, Oregon, uh, coming up with different ideas, playing with materials that have never been used before in this application, and really fighting through the challenges of turning, for instance, feathers or um, uh tree moss into sunglasses, which are things that we have brought and actually sold um, via our website and the stores that we work with. That's really interesting. So a lot of people say that Schwood is really the first uh, wooden sunglass company, really the first guys to make wooden frames. How, How did you come up with this idea and really decide that you wanted to start an eyewear brand? Yes, I... We definitely were the first ones um, to introduce a wooden frame to the, the mass market. It, the idea came, oh, geez, that was, it was way back in 2005. Um, this was well before it was called Schwood or a brand even. It was just an idea that I had, and it really came from um, just the need for something different. I, uh, my whole life I've always made things, different things, random things. And wood being the medium of choice for the most part in, in all of that. And I think at the, at the point I was, at that time, I was, um, I was making furniture. I was making end tables, side tables for your house. And my, my whole home, my house was just full of stuff that I had made. And I had always, like, after six months or a year of making one particular kind of thing, I would get real bored with it and need something different. And it was kind of a plague, you know, like you'd get good at something. And then by the time I understood it, I didn't want to do it anymore. Um, And the idea for the sunglasses happened when I was kind of in that transition of like, I no longer want to make furniture. Um, And 
the the inspiration came um, from my neighbor's tree across across the fence. Uh, he had a madrone tree, which a lot of people don't know what a madrone tree looks like, and they're very native to um, just I, I believe Oregon, and I think there might be a few on the East Coast. I may be wrong on this, but uh, it's a it's a very orangey, uh, slick bark on on this tree, and it gets that way in spring summertime. So I, I had been eyeballing this guy's tree in my in my neighbor's you know backyard and climbed up the fence at night, hacked off a tree branch up high so we wouldn't notice it, nice. and brought, <laughs> brought it back into my into my garage slash like workshop area, and thought about it for a few days. Like I've only got one chance here. I I, I can't go keep stealing this guy's tree. So um, I don't know that I, I love sunglasses. I had a, a collection of vintage style frames, um, and the idea just kind of like organically happened, I guess, uh, to to use this branch and try and and shape a, a pair of frames around this like my favorite pair of, of frame of like lenses that I had. I popped the lenses out, and it, it took me you know, two two days or so to make that first pair, and that that's really how it all started. Okay, so this is mid-2000s. You launched Wood officially in 2009, and there's a group of five of you that ultimately founded Schwood. So how did you, what, what was next? You, you made that first pair um, in, in your garage. You know, what were the next steps that you took to, to build Schwood? After that first pair, and I, I, I stole, I literally stole the hinges off the bathroom sink. And I was still living at home at my mother's house and stole those hinges off and I like, reshaped them down a little, kind of ground down the metal to make them fit. Um, but they folded up and they would also stay on your face. So it was it was a win for me. And I wore those down to the skate park in the town I grew up in, Canby, Oregon. And uh, everyone at the skate park, I remember like they were like, what the, what the heck is that? Like, what are those? And just, it, they wanted them. So I, I kept on making pairs for my friends. I kind of had like a waiting list. And I would sell them for 20 bucks, you know, just enough money to go down to the, the hardwood store and buy like legit kiln dried wood to make the next pair out of rather than, than taking them off a tree. Um, so that, that's what fueled it was friends and family that, that really took an interest in these things. And also, like I was saying before, like not knowing how to do something and make, making it progressively better each time is what really drives me and whatever I'm doing. Uh, so this was like a whole new world. It was like, I don't nothing about sunglasses rather other than I, you know, I enjoy, I like them. Uh, and I, I have a collection of them, but I, I didn't know things like Panto tilt and different base curves of lenses and all the things that we've learned over the years. It was, it was just like a mystery. And I think that mystery coupled with the friends and family who like, you know, there was a need for these things. They wanted them. They wanted to pay me 20 bucks, which back then to me was a ton of money. You know, um, I was working at a movie theater part time as the kid that would go on and on clean, clean the theaters when they, when the movies were over. And I, I liked that job, but this just seemed more appealing to me. So, um, it was, it was a way of, oh, this, this could be, this could maybe be my future, you know, in 2005, 2006. Now, how did the other guys get involved um, in starting Schwood? So, uh, one decision I made sometime, I think, in 2006, 2007, it was a few years after I was making it. 
and again, these things would take me a whole day to make one pair, and I was make, maybe making two a week, if if that, along with my other job and other things I was into. And one of the things I was into was snowboarding. I still am, and um, it was a big part of my life. And I had made a decision to go and live out of my car in Bend, Oregon, which was about four hours away from my hometown. And uh, a friend of mine, we decided to take both of our cars and go live out of our cars, get a season pass to Mount Bachelor over there, and, and just snowboard every day. And I had taken my, it was crazy, I, I removed the passenger seat out of my 1978 Honda Civic. and. I had a, a couch cushions, and then in the back of it, I had a, like an AC converter, and I had a couple like wood tool, like a, like a Dremel, and a few other things, so I could still try and make these things in my car. And uh, it, it it worked, you know. We were over there for um, a few weeks, and this is just the craziest thing the way that it happened. But uh, we were up on up on the mountain. It was snowing really hard, and we had gotten separated, so I was by myself, and I sat down on the chairlift with two guys uh, that I had, you know, I didn't know them. They just got on the chairlift with me and started talking to me, asking me what I was doing. I told them that you know, I was over here just to snowboard and live out of our cars. And they invited us to come stay at their house. And they were staying in this giant house that one of their friend's dad owned and he flipped homes and wasn't doing it at the time. But it was like a multi-million dollar home, you know, like just crazy compared to living in your car. Uh, we didn't know this. They just gave us an address and like, you come stay with us. We got a few rooms. I'm like, okay, I've got nothing to lose. So we went and uh, we we did that. We, we the next day we went over to the address and we we're just blown away by this house. And these guys were so cool for inviting us to stay. And this it had like ten bedrooms. It was just silly. And one of those kids in that chairlift was one of my partners in this thing today. Um, through them, they were involved with something called the Campus Rail Jam Tour, which. Uh, was a group of guys that had a bus and would travel around um, to different college campuses and put on snowboarding rail jam uh, contests. They'd truck in 20 tons of snow and rails and scaffolding and we would build this whole thing. So I, I kind of like got on board with those guys with that through them and and um, the, the, the two dudes, they were they were just a, um, a, a they had, they had their own company called Sipple, and it's no longer around, but they were making their own hats. So we kind of had that in common, like we, we both make things. And Sybil was the sponsor of this rail jam. The guys who started the rail jam uh, were fresh, freshly gra graduated from college, and this was their thing, this was their business, this traveling sort of like circus style rail jam on the campus thing. So. Um, I got in with them. Uh, we became good buddies, the guys that started the Rail Jam thing. And two of those guys, uh, along with the guys I met, the one kid I met in Bend, that was four of us. And then the fifth person was actually the uh, snowboarding, uh, the snowboard club president at Boulder uh, in Colorado. We went to that campus for our very first Rail Jam. This, this Rail Jam would go to different states. And uh, he just was, he was really easy to work with and ended up um, after the whole, we had 13 stops on that Rail Jam tour. And this was the next year after, so I'm, I'm kind of getting all over the place here, but 2000, it was 2007 or 2008 was uh, when we did the Rail Jam deal. And then when it was over, um, Taylor, who was the snowboard president, he was graduating college and he really wanted to come and move to Portland where we're all from. and um, just be a part of the rail jam for the following year and make it better. And at the same time, we were, there was like whispers of 
starting this wooden sunglass company, this thing that I was still like holding on to and and um, wanted to do something with, but was at the time like so encompassed in snowboarding and just having fun that I wasn't like you know I was still making a few pairs here and there. But we all saw potential, and the five, the four of us got Taylor involved when he moved up here. And we're like, well, what do we want to put our focus into? Is it this rail jam thing or is it the sunglasses? And I think uh, we all kind of decided that we wanted to see what we, what we could do as a product rather than an event. And we started Schwood and, and put all of our efforts into, into that. And that rail jam is no longer uh, a thing. I think their last year of that was 2010 or 2011. And now that's a thing of the past and we're all focused on, on sunglasses now. It's awesome. It's crazy in how so, such a short period of time you met a good group of guys to start a company with. Oh yeah, it was crazy. It, it, it's like it's not really usually how that happens. I don't think. No, I, I definitely think you're right. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so you guys all come together and you decide you're going to start Schwood in 2009. Um, then what happened? How did you? Um, what did you do to get out there, start growing, and um, you know really progress the products that you guys were offering? So we we pooled, we did this all off of, with our own money. We, we pooled what we had in savings and whatnot, and we, we purchased a, a laser cutter a CNC type of machine. So it's it's just a, it's a small machine that helps you cut out pieces that are exactly the same shape every time. So it wasn't just like me handcrafting everything from scratch but rather like cutting out exact pieces gluing them together shaping those pieces to make to make a frame um and so it was just me we rented it we used that money also to rent a really small it was like a 10 by 10 little garage space that we put my tools in and then we we bought a small amount of wood so i could i could start sort of producing inventory while we while taylor was helping to build the website end of it and um, create a landing page where people, once we launched it, could go to to purchase these things and to see them. We did again didn't have like the best plan. We didn't really we didn't know who our audience even was, who was going to be buying these things because we were snowboarders. You know, we, we weren't fashion types. Uh, we were cheap. We were you know, <laughs> living on a bus for months on end. Um, so we um, we built the website and launched it in 2000 late 2009 just for friends and family like we didn't we didn't market this thing in any way we just we made it live and we sent out you know an email to our our friends and family list and said buy these things at a discounted price let us know how they work what you think of them this is still just kind of like an idea that we all have and we we think there's potential here um and it was like the next day the word got out on the internet and it was design sponge i believe who first posted on this thing on schwood and after that like 50 but within that first three or four days like 50 major blogs were just like blowing this thing up and we had like 200 or 300 orders by the end of that very first week that were just coming from la and new york pretty much the fashion world and we didn't know what to think of that we're like we we don't okay like we'll we'll do this but there's we instantly had to put up a back order on the website it was like an eight week back order you're not going to get your product for eight weeks if you place an order right now and it didn't slow down like people just 
kept buying them, even though they, they knew that they weren't going to get them for a few months. Uh, and we, we instantly like, okay, we need a bigger shop. Um, there was something available across the parking lot from the small one we had. So we transferred over into that one. And this one was, it was, it was bigger, but it, it was still run down, had a leaky roof and water was pouring in here and there. And, um, but we made it work and, uh, yeah, it, it was just, it was a whirlwind. We, within the first year, we, we brought on a few ha- helping hands. For me, it was, the challenge for me was was teaching somebody else how to make these things because I didn't want anybody else to know how to do it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, but uh, but getting over, you know, those those types of hurdles of, of doing what you have to, to do to, to make it work and letting go of certain things and letting other people in and, and letting other people help. Um, was I think one of our and still is one of our strongest suits and not having to have full control over everything like myself I, right now to today I just focus mainly on on the creative side and um, custom pieces custom displays for stores I have nothing to do with a whole lot of the other I mean we still are donors of this thing but we're not I'm not and other people aren't like controlling every aspect. We're letting people do what it is they're best at. That's really interesting. So uh, launching in 2009 and having that big influx of orders in the beginning, what what does the growth look like from then to now? Oh, geez. Um, from then until now, we today we're in over, I, I want to say it's like 500 retail locations. And half the business is retail location, half the business is direct to consumers via our website. Back then, when we first launched, it was it was predominantly online. We didn't know, you know, how the best way to reach out to stores. I mean, I remember back in 2000, 2009, 2010, I made this, it was just silly, but this wooden briefcase thing weighed like 50 pounds. But it was all exotic wood with this crazy handle, and I made wood hinges for it. The thing was just insane. And inside of it held our sunglasses, so different colors of wood. And I mean, we only had, I think at that time, we had two styles, maybe three. And I, would, I literally walked into um, stores here in Portland to pitch the brand and say, hey, you guys want to carry sunglasses? And it caught them off guard. They're like, we want to buy the briefcase. What's that all about? <laughs> yeah, 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 right. Um, but actually, the first store we walked into, uh, they ended up carrying the line. And, and they're still, to this day, one of our, one of our best accounts, um, especially here in, in Portland. Um, we have great partners that we work with. And um, some of them get, like I was talking about, like, a custom display for the store. And I put some time and effort into those. And the store Lizard Lounge was our very first account, and they have a pretty awesome display now in their store. We kind of went all out and built out kind of like a showroom within their store for, for the brand. That's so awesome. So is there anything in particular that you would really attribute that uh, growth to from, you know, the start in 2009 to where you guys are now? Yeah, I think it's just having such a different, unique product that people could relate to. Um, and also telling... Telling the story, I mean, we're we're very. I think we're, I think we're good storytellers. We've got a really good team. Uh, it's actually one guy that does all of our most of our photos and all of our video content. And today, right now, we're putting out a video a week, which is 
insane amount of content to try and put together each week. But we've always told stories about getting outside and how we're an experimental brand. And I think people really back in 2009, 2010, adopted that as like very authentic because it was. We were we had a wood shop and we were making a product in the USA that that we were selling to uh, people that were hungry, I think, for something like this and not just something that, you know, was mass produced somewhere else without a whole lot of thought. There there literally was blood, sweat and tears in these things. We I remember multiple times we had guys with you know, blood on their hands and and late, late nights. I mean, there were nights where I would stay up in the wood shop trying to make more and more sunglasses. And I think that was just apparent. So I, I think that's what we can attribute the success in the beginning to was just people really seeing that it was real and not just a story or uh, something that we made more extravagant than it really was. Yeah, no, I definitely uh, can see that. What would you say is something uh, unique that no one knows about you, one of your products, or should that you feel really differentiates you from uh, a lot of the bigger brands in the eyewear industry? That's a good question. Um, let's see, something that makes us different than the rest. Well, I, I already kind of spilled the beans on it earlier, but um, <laughs> just the fact that that we have introduced 17 materials to eyewear that didn't exist before, one of those being newspaper, which was just kind of like, even though we, we, we did it, we invented it, um, it was still mind blowing to us here in the shop. It took us eight months just to develop the material that then we took and like another eight months to develop the product with. And it involved crazy um, column MacGyver type machines that weren't designed to do something that we made work to make this to make this material out of newspaper. And it was it was just crazy. And we'll go to we'll go to those sort of like crazy ends to make something work even though it for the longest time felt like it wasn't going to and not that our complete focus was on let's say newspaper shades but like our small team of designers and our product our product creation team um there was a big focus for a while as we were still doing wooden sunglasses and the other things that we were doing um we'll we'll yeah we'll just do whatever it takes to be able to tell the next story I want to ask you a little bit about um, how the manufacturing process has evolved, obviously, from when you were making them yourself in your garage to uh, your operation today. How do you guys keep sustainability in mind um, with the growth of Schwood? Well, in terms of materials, um, we, we only source our wood from FSC-certified plantations, which a lot of the, the, the awesome woods that we use they don't grow here in the USA, like zebra wood, for instance. So it's we, we, we spend some time to really make sure that we're working with the right wood sources to, to capture wood that is, it's literally being grown on plantations to be cut down and turned into lumber rather than being harvested out of um, rainforests and places where it's gonna hurt those regions. So ha- having having a, a good vision of just sourcing materials is, is, has always been an important thing to us. Um, and really sustainability also to me is, is making product in a way that, that makes sense. And, and I mean, obviously your margins have to be there, have to be right. But 
I mean, it's like you're you're, you're taking well woodworking in general. You're you're taking something. You, you don't want to spend a whole day to make one pair like I used to be doing. To me, that was waste. It was a waste of time, <laughs> especially when I was selling them for twenty bucks. And now, I mean, our prices have, have obviously gone up from there. It's a much more premium product, but in comparison, it it took a lot of time. But we were we're now you know capable of doing. I, I think our best day was 350 pairs in one day in our workshop here. So, in in comparison to where it started and to where it is now, um, we've gotten way more efficient in terms of production and all the little nuances that go into making it what it is it's like that stuff didn't really exist like if you look at our our floor plan and our manufacturing space here everything is custom built it's like the tables the jigs that we use it's all stuff that we had to figure out and those are the things that allowed us to get to a point where we were um, efficient at making the product yeah, that's really interesting. I don't, are you familiar with Gilson Snow Snowboards? I'm sorry, can you say the name one more time? Uh, Gilson. Gilson. No, I actually I, I can't say I've heard of them. Yeah, so they're they're a small snowboard camp company. They're actually one of the fastest growing snowboard companies uh, in the world right now. And they've got, interestingly enough, their factory is in Pennsylvania. And so one of my partners and I went out there, like I'm gonna say six months or so, and built a snowboard with them. And going through their facility, like you said, it, like a lot of the stuff was handmade. Like they, they jerry-rigged a lot of different things that just make sense for their process. And it's just sort of like, huh, you know what I mean? It's like so very unique for their process. And like over time, you know, it's just, it works for what they're looking to do. That's, that's great. I mean, when you're doing something different and unique, you, you kind of have to. Um, I mean, that's at least what, what we found. We, if we could have found the tools that would have done the job for us, we would have happily purchased those tools. But exactly, yeah. But it like you, you know, you do something like a hundred and fifty times or a couple thousand times, and you're like, well, I'm now kind of an expert in the, <laughs> you know, machinery that is necessary to improve making these things. Yeah, no, totally. And and again, going back to what I said in the beginning, it's like I get bored with something once I master something or once I feel like I've figured it out and. It's been what this next year is our ten year anniversary of actually launching the, the business. So for me personally, fifteen years, and I still don't feel like we've mastered sunglasses yet. And I, I mean, we've gotten very good at it, but we're constantly evolving and trying to make this thing. Like we're never satisfied with the product that we're selling, even though we're selling it and we're we're, we're allowing people to buy it. It's good enough. It's by far good enough for that. But internally. We, we still look at it and we want to change things and want to evolve things and want little little angles to be slightly different so that maybe it can function in a slightly different way. So it's it's still very rewarding and exciting in, in that in that manner of speaking in that we're we're constantly experimenting in the wood shop. Yeah, no, it, it's it's a fun fun experience, and it's um, something very unique when you're still making it in house, especially with with you guys with Schwood. You guys have grown quite a bit since you got your start, and you're you still have a manufacturing facility. Like a lot of businesses, like decide to just outsource that. Um, and I assume that's one of the pieces that makes you guys really unique, and it's something that you want to do going forward for as long as you can. Yeah, you know, I, having 
I mean, some of the, the guys in the back that are helping us make make this stuff, they're, they're friends of ours, people that we've you know, given a job to that they take pride in. And I mean, not only sunglasses, but all of our display cases, we built those um, in, in-house to our wood shop. We're doing tall towers, mini towers, micro towers, small POP point of purchase stuff, uh, really controlling that um, engagement with our customers so that we know that when they see us in store, they're going to have an experience that we've controlled from the ground up. No, I, I think that's so fascinating. What would you say has been one of the um, hardest parts about starting and, and building Schwood? Oh, geez, back in the beginning, it was a, a sourcing issue. Um, when you're a small company, I mean, by all means, not even a company, you've just launched as a business. And we, we wanted everything to be as good as it possibly could be down to, I mean, the lenses and sunglasses is obviously the most important part. And we didn't want cheap lenses. We wanted to use high-end lenses and we identified that as a German lens, Carl Zeiss, that's used in uh, a lot of uh, camera equipment lens and they, they do sunglass lenses, very high-end stuff. And uh, we wanted to use them, but they're not gonna sell us 100 lenses at a time unless you, know, you have a connection somewhere. And luckily we did. One of my partners knew somebody that worked there that was able to line up, like literally we were buying like 100 lenses at a time when an MOQ for lenses is like 10,000 lenses, you know? So that those were challenges, um, not just lenses, but hinges and other things as well. And um, keeping inventory of those things, keeping track. I mean, um, selling a product and designing a product is one thing, but manufacturing a complex product in the USA when you have no prior knowledge of manufacturing at all, none of us did, is is another entire, entirely different thing in general. And just lead times for hinges, let's just say, multiple times we would, we would run out of those parts in our production line and it would completely halt everything. We couldn't finish product for two weeks while we waited for more hinges to show up. You know, This was back before Amazon Prime was a thing. and um, not that I don't even think you could find engines we'd use on Amazon, but for instance, you know, I mean, a lot of other things go into it too. The sandpaper that's needed, the finishing that's needed, um, just maintenance and, and tools and all the things that we use on a daily basis that um, disappear, you know, or that get used up. And we were so focused on one thing that we forgot about another thing. So staying on top of the whole puzzle was uh, a very challenging task. Yeah, it sounds like a logistical nightmare. <laughs> it, it, it was for quite a while. I mean, we made it work and we made it we made it happen and we always got product out to the customer, but it it definitely wasn't a 9 to 5 gig. Well, that's that's what starting a business is, right? It's a lifetime <laughs> commitment. It sure um, is. What what would you say uh, are some of the biggest mistakes that you've made? Uh, since the beginning with Schwood? Um, mistakes, maybe uh, maybe in the beginning we were we were pretty picky about what stores we wanted to send product to. That might seem dumb. You're like, why don't you just give it to, to anybody that wants it? And once we started going to trade shows, I think our first trade show was sometime in 2011, I want to say. And we uh, 
we would deny stores that we didn't think were the right fit for the brand and realized later that those stores were stores that we do want to be in. And because we had already said no to them, it was a, a big challenge to try and turn that no into a yes. It would take years to do that. Um, so, and again, we were young and we were dumb and we uh, didn't really think about everything. Uh, we were focused on what, what we liked and what we thought, but our opinion of what it was maybe wasn't what the, the general masses opinion was of it and again like i said we were all snowboarders and and didn't know fashion so uh, we realized pretty quickly i think and quickly enough that that um we were a a fashion brand and not an action sports brand which with wooden sunglasses i'm sure you can imagine it's not the best eyewear to have on your face when you're skateboarding or you're snowboarding if you were to fall but um yeah i'd, I'd say that that was probably a, a thing that we that we identified as a mistake in the beginning was just not being as open to retail locations as we uh, as we were. What advice would you give to someone that wanted to start a business, whether it was in the fashion, outdoor space, or really just a, a business in general? I mean, you got to be all in you, you, you got to go all in and don't be afraid to make mistakes don't be afraid i mean that's just kind of general you know you hear that all the time but i think most importantly is is once you are doing it if you don't see um the turnaround if you don't see it working you kind of have to know that and don't spend too much time trying to make something work that's not working move on to something else and try something else um, for me, that that was true since little. I was little making things, and I would go to Saturday Market and those types of places and and try to sell things. But again, like nothing was really fly off the shelf like sunglasses. And this was, I don't know, the hundredth or two hundredth thing that I had probably more than that that I had tried to make and sell to somebody. Um, so. I think along with, with my, um, myself getting bored with something, I think it might have also had something to do with it just not being the right product to sell, you know, um, and being conscious of that and being okay to let go of it and, and move on to the next thing. I mean, if you have a dream of something, of a product that you want to sell, chances are it's a pretty good idea. And you're going to have to put a lot of time into it to make to make it work. But you just got to be aware and conscious of that point when it's just not working. Yeah, it's hard to walk away from from your baby. <laughs> you know, it's yeah. uh, you know you're blind, kind of like in the weeds. Um, you don't have that ten thousand foot view to like realize like okay, <laughs> you know, I gave it my all, and like I either need to pivot or walk away from this. Most definitely, yep. Now, how did you guys come up with the name Schwood? <laughs> I knew you were going to ask that question. <laughs> it's a good question to ask. And uh, the name Schwood, um, it wasn't something, and I kind of briefly touched on this before, but it's not, it's not a name that I came up with. It's a name that a friend of mine, this was you know, 2007 or eight, somewhere in there, 
I'd said I was there was one store that here in Portland that was selling these things like they'd buy four at a time as I would make them and they would sell them out in a day so they wanted the name was just nothing they weren't branded with anything and uh, so they were like we need a name and um, I I contacted a friend of mine who um, so this was after the first year this first snowboard tour so this is probably 2008 ish somewhere in there and uh, he was like big on the marketing side of the campus real jam tour helping with promotion there and whatnot and he had really enjoyed that kind of thing so I was like, oh, he'll be a good one to help me come up with a name. And I hit him up and asked him to help me. So he came out to my house in Canby and saw the operation in my little garage. Uh, we were friends through snowboarding, too. And, um, he came back a week later with a list of names, 10, 10 or so names on this list. And one of them was Schwood. And I asked him, it stood out to me, it was kind of like, you know, kind of weird and different, kind of like what I was doing, <laughs> kind of like myself. And I asked him, where, what did that, would that come from? And he told me the story about him and some of his friends were um, previously, they, they were staying, it was in a, a town, I think it was Eugene in Oregon, which is a little bit further south. And they were, they were there for a, a snowboarding contest. And they were staying in this hotel, and the hotel was called the Ashwood, the Ashwood Hotel. And the A had burnt out in the sign, so it just it just said Schwood. And the next day they were at their snowboarding event and signing up for the for the competition. And on the list they were signing like their name and do you have any sponsors? And none of them had any sponsors, so they all wrote Schwood on that list. Love and it. <laughs> they're like, what is what is Schwood? And uh, they're like, oh, it's this up and coming uh, clothing brand. You haven't heard of it, but it's going to be really cool. And it was just a, like an inside joke for them. So when I heard that, I'm like, yes, let's do it. Let's make it something. We're going to turn this into something real. What's the best part about running Schwood? Oh, uh, I think just the ability to stay creative. Um, if I didn't have that ability, I, I don't know what I would do. Uh, it's an outlet that allows for failure, too, at the same time. Um, having a workspace with the tools and this and the, the tabletop space to make things. Uh, you, if you saw the things that, that go on, I mean, you talked about um, that company making wooden snow or making snowboards. Um, we we experimented with that too, not as a, not as a product to sell, but just as something to make. You know, in in the after hours, and we we made some wooden snowboards that performed just as good as a store-bought board. I'd ride them days on end and had the best time on them. So without the shop and without the tools here, I don't think that would have even been possible. But just thinking of different ways outside of the box to make something uh, has, I think, been the best part. That's really yeah. awesome. Uh, that's actually how myself and my co-founder got started. We started bu- building and designing our own skis <laughs> in, in my basement, which it's such a fun experience just being able to like build something new that you've never even thought about how it works and then sort of like getting just into that whole process and then writing it and seeing like, you know, what makes it better um, and, and everything that goes along with that. And um, I, uh, I really appreciate um, you, Eric, for coming on the podcast and, and sharing your story uh, of Schwood and how you guys got your start and really all the things that you have going on 
Um, but for the listener that wants to keep tabs on everything going forward, where's the best place for them to do that? Oh, uh, com, or you can find us on social media at Schwitshop. Those are the, the best places to keep, keep up on what's new and do it because we have an awesome new line of product dropping June 1st. So in a couple of weeks, things that aren't sunglasses, which might blow some minds, but um, things that we should have had 10 years ago, maybe that we are just now around to getting around to, 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 to doing. And it's going to be, I'm really excited. It's something I put a lot of personal time into developing. So it's, it's going to be fun. That's really awesome. And, and for anyone listening, between uh, June 5th and July 3rd, you can actually enter to win a couple pairs of Schwood uh, glasses along with a ton of other gear from uh, small businesses and startups in the outdoor space. And uh, with that, Eric, again, I want to thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me. You got it. Thanks for having me. If you enjoyed today's podcast episode, then we would be incredibly appreciative if you could log on to iTunes and leave us a quick review. This really helps us get noticed by other podcast listeners like yourself. And if you know anyone that would benefit from this episode, then please share it along. Well, that wraps up this episode of the Ready Ready Podcast. We'll catch you guys next week.